Another episode of the Third Out. I'm No Whiskey here with Bryson French. We had a pretty, uh, pretty exciting week of baseball. Trade deadline was Tuesday, so yesterday we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, not a whole lot of move, or not a whole lot of big moves. A lot of small moves that should help out. We're going to go over each move here. But Bryson, how was your week? It has been um, a really productive week, which I really needed. So it's been nice. Got to watch a decent amount of baseball um getting some new tiktoks out some new breakdowns and some hitters that's been fun but yeah it has been a solid week how about you know it's been busy you know, down here in training uh, it's been busy 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 didn't get, got out of over an hour late today because we got a we got a test on friday so they had to push as much information on us as possible but overall not too bad just busy you know your typical typical training weeks yeah now you did something over the weekend didn't you oh yeah i did I'm so busy <laughs> Tell us about that. so busy yeah so busy forgot about it yeah went back to uh went back to a cards game you know same old same old in there uh had another rain delay uh how many of those have you had recently you know off the top of your head i feel like it's been every time you've gone it's been every so okay it started with the World Series. So we had the World Series. Uh, then I went to that game with you. Didn't have one. Then I want to say the last three games I went to, there's been a rain delay. Wow. Okay, so that's a that's a good stretch of bad luck there. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the cut. It, oh, they were playing the Cubs. The Cubs yes. looked pretty good. Um. One of our boys that we talked about needing to step up and could have a make or break second half looked awful. Say Suzuki. He looked bad. He as soon as I texted you, Suzuki looks horrible. He had a pretty nice base hit. Okay. So maybe maybe we just need to trash on him a little bit more. But yeah. the Cubs are really hot. They're eight and two in their last ten. They yeah. are making a push for division, maybe. Wild card at yep. least, and they made. We're going to get to it here in a second with the trade deadline as we go through all the teams. They they made some moves. They did, yeah. They're in a weak division. They they went all in. Uh, as the Cubs fans after the game said, the Cubs are back. I probably back to what? Add, back to what? what Another hundred years without a World Series. That's what I wanted to ask, but I, I you know, standing in the line for, for the bathroom, and I heard the Cubs are back. Probably twenty times, and this was in St. Louis too. So I was like, I was a little surprised. But when you texted me that, that was that's what surprised me. Like you're in they, St. Louis, are that many Cubs fans there? There was a lot. Granted, okay, I I was sitting behind the Cubs dugout, so that might okay. have have something to do with it. But yeah, there was a lot. I mean, it's a rivalry. It's not too far yeah. from Chicago, but geographically yeah, there, pretty close. There was more fans than what I expected. Okay. All right. Before we get into going over each individual trade, I saw something the other day and I wrote it down because I want to keep this in mind because I contend to look at these trades and see a bunch of prospects listed in a team's like top 30 
or, you know, in the top 100s and be like, man, that's a really good player to give up. But I wrote down these statistics just to keep some things in mind. Since 2013, 573 prospects have been traded. 3% of those players have become impact players, meaning like everyday players. Or excuse me, more than everyday, like impact players like above an everyday player, like an all-star level player, I guess. 3%. 11% of the players, the prospects traded, have become everyday players. So like 1 in 10 of these guys could actually make a difference on an MLB team, really. That's what we're saying. Historically. That kind of surprised me. But at the same time, though, this is a, a seller's year, meaning there weren't a lot of guys on the market. So for the teams that were out trying to improve, they had to pay a lot more than what they would have usually needed to pay to get a lot of these a lot of these guys. So we're going to be looking down through here. And I think a lot of teams gave up too much for the guys that they, for the MLB players that are trying to get in return. But we'll break that down yeah, a little I, bit more as we go. Yeah. I noticed there was a lot of prospects getting thrown around in these trades that yeah. I, I mean, there were like four or five prospects for one guy, which I mean, isn't out of the ordinary, but for the level of players, it did seem kind of out of the ordinary. Yeah, so let's start with that. We're going to start AL East, team number one, the Orioles, in first place. They got Jack Flaherty, and they gave up three prospects. They gave up Caesar, uh, Prito, an infielder, Drew Rome, Drew Rom, R-O-M, and Zach Walter. So before we get into that, I was listening to a podcast live as this was going on, and they were talking about what the Orioles would give up for Flaherty. And... These guys were not high on Flaherty at all. And when they were, they heard that it was Jack Flaherty, Jack Flaherty for Cesar Preto. And they were like, dude, that's pretty square, 1v1. Preto's going to be a solid MLB player, you know, and, you know, for Flaherty, that's good. Turns out the Orioles actually gave up two more prospects on top of Preto. That's, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about with, you know, probably overpaying a little bit. Yeah, that was one of the ones that kind of had me scratch my head. I mean, I could see two prospects, like a pitcher and maybe the infielder, but three yeah. I thought was a little overkill. And it's not just any three. I mean, we're talking about two guys in the Marlins top – or excuse me, in the Orioles top 30. And the Orioles have still one of the best farm systems in baseball. Like, Prito and, and Rom, you know, they're 18th and 24 in the Orioles system. That means they're like a top ten and a top fifteen in most other programs and other in other farm systems. So, you know, maybe it's not such a big deal because the Orioles are just so deep; they're not going to like really notice these guys being gone. But that's a lot to lose for Flaherty. I mean, what influence is he going to have on the Orioles? They needed some starting pitching depth, but is he really going to help this team make a push in the playoffs once they get to the playoffs? Yeah, I think it gives them a little bit more, you know, veteran presence in that rotation. So maybe they value that a little bit more than his actual performance since the team's so young. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he performs because I I think the I think the Orioles gave him too much. Yeah, last five games, Flaherty has been really good though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's been pitching then, really well. Yeah, but this, I mean, the Orioles starting rotation right now as if they get into the playoffs and they pitch 
four games or they, you know, they need four starting pitchers. I don't even know who they go to like Dean Kremer, Jack Flaherty, Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish. Like all those guys could kind of fill out the end of a playoff rotation, but I wouldn't want any of those guys at the top of a playoff rotation. So I think Orioles kind of failed in getting that, but as far as deepening their regular season rotation, I guess it works for that. Mm-hmm. The Rays. This was an interesting one. The Guardians gave up their ace, or I don't know if you want to call him an ace. The, the 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 Guardians gave up their best pitcher this year, and the Rays gave up their best prospect. Yes, it's kind I'm of the point. To- like, this is the highest Savali's value is ever going to be, probably. Mm-hmm. So the Guardians did good to move off him at his height. But it's weird to see a team a half game out of first selling their best pitcher. Yeah, especially with that division being so bad. I mean, we always talk about the Central, or the NL Central being bad. The AL Central is pretty, pretty rough. It's probably worse. And the division's wide open. You're a half game back and you give up your your best pitcher. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. That said, though, this prospect is, you know, I mean, they're saying like Jordan Alvarez type hitter, like he'll, he'll be MLB ready next year. The Rays have a great farm system and he's first in their farm system. And he's the 31st prospect in all of baseball right now. Like that's, you know, we were talking about like only 3% of guys are going to be like, more than an everyday player, like impact. This is one of the guys that's pretty much locked on to be more than an everyday impact. Like he's going to be a first base for a team that's really struggling to get there offensively. So it makes sense that the guardians want him. It doesn't make sense that the guardians are burning this year for that, I guess. As for the Rays, it makes sense. It makes sense. They don't need, uh, you know, he is, you know, a great talent. But they got a good first baseman. They got a good third baseman. Where are they going to put him? Kind of yeah. a log jam there. Probably, yes. I thought they, they could have got a, maybe a better pitcher. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, if you're going to move for a pitcher, I mean, there is a lot of bigger pitchers out there. When you look at a Verlander or a Scherzer, even though Scherzer's kind of fallen apart in the playoffs the last couple of years, I mean, there was a couple. There was a few better guys that they could have went after. Granted, they probably tried. You know, they probably knocked yeah. on the door, see what the asking price was. Well, but if you gave up your top prospect for for him, you probably would have given up a little bit more to get those other guys. But the thing is, though, this is the Rays' top prospect, and to get to get Scherzer, the Rangers didn't have to give up their top top prospect. I guess that that is also true. So I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Interesting because Rays Rays got better pitching and they needed better pitching. If we look at it that way, it's a win. I guess made their team better this year. Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they made some trades with the Cardinals and the Cardinals only. Yep they they got Jordan Hicks and Paul DeYoung. Two separate trades. Now Paul DeYoung's trade came the day after Bobuchet got hurt, but apparently the deal was already in the works beforehand and they were just looking for um, a backup middle infielder to work with uh, to work with with Bo Bichette and uh, Whit Merrifield. So 
kind of they kind of lucked out on that timing, getting a shortstop to fill in there. That works out well. And then the bullpen, I mean, the Blue Jays have a killer bullpen right now. Yeah. And Jordan Romano is is hurt, but this really takes the pressure off him rushing back. And they have good pieces outside of that too. They have good setup men. They even have more than just the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guy now. They're they're really deep. What do you think of those ads for them? I thought this was a pretty good ad. I mean, even before Ovechek got hurt, you know, the Paul Dion, I thought that could that deal could have happened. You know, he we had talked about him. Shoot, every time we'd mentioned somebody getting traded from the Cardinals, he was always the first guy that you would bring up would probably yeah. be gone. So I think it it was a good fit. You know, he, he's probably going to get a little bit more run in with them. You know, he kind of fits their timeline a little bit better. So that one makes sense. And then, you know, you can always, you always got to go after pitching as well. Yeah. Now the Cardinals did get a ton in return for Jordan Hicks. Yes. So they got, yeah, two two guys ranked in the Blue Jays system. They got their eighth prospect and their 16th prospect. Uh, That would be Adam Klofenstein and Sam Roberts, both right-handed pitchers and both MLB ready next year. So the Cardinals kind of stacking up on this pitching that should be an impact on the team next year. Yeah, two top 20 guys uh, for a team that has really been struggling with pitching yeah. the last few years, You know, whether it's by injuries or if their guys just not performing. So you get some young guys you know, ready for next year. The Cardinals are looking for next year and the year after that anyway. Um, yeah. So it fits their timeline perfectly. Got two top prospects. Yeah, this uh, these two deals I think were two of the deals that weren't lopsided. There was probably a lot of lopsided deals. These, you don't think? Team, I mean, two top twenty prospects for a reliever. Yeah, but I mean, they they have like they have enough space to be able to give those up. Okay, their bullpen their bullpen's already very good. If they're ready for next year, they're going to have to move at least one of them anyway. I mean, Roberts I mean, is going to be a starter, though, but Klaus seems probably going to be a starter. I guess that's I don't, true. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I think it's all right. I just think, you know, two top 20s for a reliever seems kind of lopsided, but Toronto's system isn't the strongest, so maybe Klaffenstein isn't that great. I don't know. I've heard good things about Roberts, though, so... Uh, onto the Red Sox. Moving around some stuff, I don't really know. It's hard to hard to say, I guess. They moved off of Kike Hernandez, but then got Luis Urias. So I feel like that's just an even switch. Yeah, I agree with that. They gave up their 17th prospect, Bradley Ballack, a right-handed pitcher. And they got the Dodgers' 43rd prospect, Nick Robertson. That's that's a loss, is it not? And then they got they got another prospect. They got Justin Hagerman. I don't know. Maybe they just like what the Dodgers, you know, and this, a lot of this comes down to, you know, your internal scouts. You see a guy in another farm system that you really like, that you want to go after. You know, maybe they really – saw Nick Robertson in the Dodgers, you know, in the Dodgers system. We're like, man, this is a guy that really fits us and a guy we want went after him. I don't know. 
they got a prospect that will be ready next year. I think the Red Sox don't want to go full rebuild. They don't want to be bad. They want to stay where they are right now, kind of in that above 500 territory. So a pitcher that's going to help them next year is probably a good get in that regard. Yeah, I th- the Red Sox are refusing to rebuild. I mean, they've, they've been in potential rebuild mode for the last three, four years and have always yeah. somehow figured out a way not to have to rebuild. Yeah. And we have mentioned that their pitching is not the greatest. So going after a pitcher that I'll be ready sooner rather than later is not a bad move there. Yankees really didn't make a lot of noise. Tell me about that. Uh, I don't think they made a move until like 5 o'clock. Yeah, the deadline hit, and it was not announced that the Yankees had made any moves. Yeah, I I remember I was getting out of class, and me and the guy that's behind me is a Mets fan. So, of course, we're talking about all the trades they made. And he's like, hey, are the Yankees going to do anything? I'm like, I don't know, dude. It, what time is it? I was like, oh, well, I guess not. I guess they're not going to do anything. And then by the time I got to my hotel room, I had got the alert saying that they made the trade for the two relievers, um, one of which I had never heard of. And we looked him up. What was his name? Jordan what? Uh, I don't remember. Jordan not on his page. Spencer Howard. That's who it was. Yes. Yes. Who has been on five different minor league teams this year. And when he was in the majors, had an ERA of 10. Hey, only three innings, though. So that's not exactly fair in the MLB. <laughs> yes. But his ERA in the minors... I don't think it was yeah. below a five on five different teams. It was not below a four. Okay, four. It was above five a couple times. Yes. So that was <laughs> so we so Spencer Howard. Um, they traded. I think they traded away two minor league pitchers. So it was kind of even exchange for that one. And then they got the White Sox pitcher there. I don't know why I can't think of his name right off. Kenyon Middleton. That one was okay. You got some bullpen help. No, you can always use, the, use bullpen help. But we probably shouldn't have talked about this early. We probably should have waited a little bit so I have a time limit on how long I can talk about it. But so when you're this bad and you're only, you know, and the only hope for this team to do anything on the offensive side is to have Aaron Judge hit a home run. You would have thought that they would have made moves to at least granted, okay, this this year's a wash. I don't they're not gonna be able to do anything this year. You would have thought they would have made moves to help, you know, get controllable pieces to help the offense out in the future. You know, get a left fielder that you've been you know, saying you're gonna go get for two and a half years. But, you know, they didn't do anything. You know, this is going to be their team for this year and probably next year. So you have an aging DJ LeMahieu who hasn't looked awesome. He hasn't looked horrible, but he hasn't looked great. Injury-ridden Anthony Rizzo, who I I, I really – I wanted them to re-sign Rizzo. I, I had no problem with that. But he, he's playing hurt. He's not performing well. Judge is always hurt, it seems like, right now. 
And then you have some other pieces. You, you know, there's rumors going around that Torres was going to get traded to Miami again. You know, that we had those rumors last year. You know, Stanton was apparently t- floated around in conversations as well. Bader was was held out of a starting lineup right there at the end. So he was in conversation with the Phillies for a while. So you had all these conversations and you don't you don't make any moves, you know, to help your team out in the future. Granted, you know, who knows what these other teams were asking for and you know what we were gonna have to give up. But you have one of the top ten farm systems. I think they're seventh, the last thing I saw. So you have a farm system. You have a lot of aging players. You're not doing anything this year. That's very evident. Your last place, 27th in offense. You know, you just lo- you, you're losing games that you don't even look interested in. So I offload the, the veterans that are clearly aging and are ineffective and just let these young guys play. The results are going to be the same. If you lose, you're you're probably going to lose the game anyway. You might as well be looking towards the future. Yeah, and they need to get more like not just young, but like athletic and fast. And that's that will happen when you get young. But there's just too many old, slow, unathletic guys out there on the field at one time. I think it really hurts. Work off that. American League Central. Uh, is anybody trying to win this division? Clearly not. I mean, this let, is I weird. Mean, let's be I I kind of get it from a so. I've heard a lot of complaining that like winning the division matters. It's not just about going for the World Series every time because you get a lot of money, you know, and revenue just from from winning your division. You know, there's a lot of TV stuff that comes with the playoffs. You're going to get money from that. You're selling out your stadium a couple times when you make the playoffs, like all that stuff. So winning the division as a front office matters. So I don't entirely understand the whole idea here, but I think, honestly, the Guardians and the Twins believe they can offload some things and still be just as competitive in a lot of senses. As far as division, you know, not so much – I think they both understand, though, that they're not going to the World Series right now. And they have to kind of prepare for that and rebuild for that while still trying to leave enough to where they can go for the division. So starting out with the Twins, right, they they gave away Jorge Lopez, one of their best relievers, and a guy who could be a closer on pretty much any MLB team, except they have Johan Duran. So, you know, they still got the closer thing sorted out. And they got Dylan Floro. So it's just kind of a, a, a deal, I think, where they weren't going to be able to pay Jorge Lopez. You're going to move off him now and put a guy in your bullpen who is going to be all right. As for the Guardians, they moved off their best pitcher, and they moved off Ahmed Rosario, and they moved off, off Josh Bell. Now, that sounds bad. Like, they're moving off of a lot of key components. But it's not like they went and got players who aren't going to impact them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, they went out and they got Kyle Manzardo, who will be here next year, right? They got Noah Syndergaard, who can replace Savali 
in a sense. You know, he'll take a spot in the rotation. He's not going to be as good, but you still have a starting pitcher there. It's not like you're trading for a prospect and leaving that spot empty in the rotation. Yeah, you have an MLB player. Yeah, and it's not like Josh Bell is doing good, so you put Gene Segura there, who's worse, but you still have an MLB player there. Ahmed Rosario, you lose, and I've heard a lot of Guardians fans are upset about that. Listen, the dude's like the worst defensive shortstop in the league. He's not particularly hitting well. This year, he's just hot and cold. It's You're all right. And then you get, like I said, you get the best prospect from the Tampa Bay Rays, and then not just, I think this... The thing that they got from the uh, from the Marlins is big, right? So they give up Josh Bell, who's not been playing well. They get Gene Segura, who's been playing worse. But they got Khalil Watson, who was the first-round pick for the Marlins in this year's draft. They got another first-round pick out of this, which, granted, that won't be ready for a while. But that's like they got two good offensive prospects here, like legit good offensive prospects. Yeah, and the Marlins have a good farm system. Yeah. I think I think in the graphic I saw today, they were, I want to say fifth, fourth or fifth, yeah. somewhere around in that range. So, I mean, with them being this high in their system, they're going to be very high in. Yeah, Khalil's the eighth in, Khalil's the eighth in the Marlins prospect in the in their system, and he just got drafted, so they haven't even seen him in the minor league ball yet. So he'll get he'll rise up a lot faster too. Yeah, so there's a good chance that he becomes their their number one prospect. Yeah, he was the 16th pick in this year's draft. So I don't know. I I like what the Guardians are doing, although I would like to see them go for the division. But I I understand their moves. Yeah, they're a little head scratching, but they make sense at the same time. They yeah. only they only don't make sense because they're so close to the division. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, I think they can look at themselves and be like, yes, we're two games out of the division, but we are an absolute failure right now. You know what I mean? Like, you can look in the mirror and be like, man, we signed Josh Bell to be our leader, and he stinks. And Ahmed Rosario is supposed to be our shortstop of the future, and his defense is trash. And Mackenzie Gore, and not not Mackenzie Gore, sorry, Tristan Mackenzie, and... uh. Shane Bieber are supposed to be our aces and they're gone right now. I think they can look internally and be like, man, this isn't going to work. We're going to have to like, we can't get by with this. And they had, they had to make moves. All right. Tigers. They tried to move Eduardo Rodriguez to the Dodgers. I don't know if you saw this. They had a trade in place and then they, it literally got like confirmed. And then they go to Eduardo Rodriguez and tell him, and he's like, no, the Dodgers are on my 10-team no-trade clause. I don't want to go there. And the, the deal fell through, and the Tigers were unable to make that deal. Dodgers did not get the, the starting pitcher they wanted, which we're going to get to the Dodgers a lot later. But that's a big loss for the Dodgers. because they That was like 20 minutes before the deadline, and the Dodgers were unable to get anything else worked out. So the Dodgers walked away without a big pitcher, which they need. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing they didn't get at the deadline. Yeah. So it hurts the Tigers, but it hurts the Dodgers too. Michael Lorenzen was their other move. They did get um, Howie Lee, which is the second baseman 
Uh, the seventh prospect, what team did he come from? I already forgot. Was That wasn't the Marlins as well. Hold on. It was. Where did he go? Oh, he went to Philly. Okay. That's, yeah, the Phillies don't have the greatest farm system, but Lee is, from what I've heard, he's just a solid, like he's going to be an everyday second baseman. And Tiger's going to need that. So I think that's a solid a solid swap there. That's well-priced. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a little bit for him to get up to the majors, but that's fine. I mean, he's still young. So I think he's projected 2025. Yeah. White Sox, big sellers. Yeah. I think this is the biggest sell we've seen from any team. I think it's the biggest... Uh... Yeah, I'd say them and the Cardinals, I think, are the biggest sellers here. Yeah. Maybe right. Rangers. Yeah. Or as far as most leaving their system, yeah. <laughs> um, they lost Jake Berger, Kendall Graveman, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez. I think we all know this is not working for the White Sox. Losing these guys does not hurt them because they weren't going anywhere. Like, yeah, they went from bad to terrible without these guys. But they got a lot of really good prospects, man. Yeah. I mean, mean, these moves need to be made. They had to do something. We have talked about them since we started this podcast about them being really good or how they should be good and how they're not. So they, I think they finally made some moves to look towards their future here. The Lance Lynn and Joe yeah. Kelly trades, those were ones that kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah, that that's to the Dodgers, Joe Kelly returning. Yeah. And you get the Dodgers' 5th and 13th prospect, guys who are going to be ready soon, and Trace Thompson. That's a lot, and that's a lot of good stuff. Oh, I didn't realize Trace Thompson was in that deal. So you get you get an MLB out or a, Yep, an MLB yeah. outfielder, which I think they need a little outfield help. Yeah, two top twenty prospects and top fifteen prospects in the best system in the bigs, or one of the best systems in the bigs. Yeah, uh, they got the Angels, Kai Bush, and Edgar Cuero, which is uh, the third catching prospect for uh, for the Angels, which they weren't going to need because they got Logan Ohapi coming up. He's third for the Angels and 61st, 61st in all of MLB baseball. That was not the only catcher they got, though. Kendall Graveman to the Astros also gave them Corey Lee, the Astros catcher, fourth prospect in the Astros system, 75th overall. So not only are they getting guys who are way up there, they're getting a lot of guys in the top 100 overall. The thing about Corey Lee, Corey Lee had a chance to be the Astros everyday catcher this year, and he did not win the job. So that might be kind of concerning. Yeah, but he has a better shot of winning the White Sox job, though. Yes, and they're going to put him with another top prospect catcher, and between the two of them, one of them is going to come out, or maybe they can split time, and I think the White Sox are all right there. Yeah. Now, I saved this one for last, because I think this is like the biggest – rip off and all of this whole trade deadline. And it's a one for one deal. 
It's the burger eater deal. Oh, sorry. I have a timer going off in my room, and I cannot stop this thing for the life of me. Every time... Okay, it's a stopwatch. I'm going to go on this real quick. It's a stopwatch. It goes off at 10.38 every night, and there's no way to turn it off. Like, you, if you hit stop, it'll just go off a minute later, and then it'll go off at 10.39 every night. Hmm. But it'll go off for a minute, and then it'll stop. But I want to talk about the uh, the burger eater deal, which talk about a combo of names here. But Jake Burger for Jake Eater. This is the Marlins' first prospect. This is an electric pitcher, a guy who's going to be MLB ready next year, coming off Tommy John surgery, and looks really good in the minor leagues right now. For Jake Berger, how does that work? What are the Marlins thinking? I mean, Marlins need some pop in their lineup, okay. But your first overall prospect for Jake Berger? Yeah, this was one that kind of didn't make much sense to me. I mean, trading for Jake Berger kind of made sense, but what they gave up made zero sense to me at all. I mean, and they have a very good farm system, so this guy should be pretty good. Yeah. And he's, he's... Pretty, I don't want to say he's pretty much MLB ready, but he's projected to be up in 2024. Yeah, it's so just it's him. Ready. It's just a matter of him being ready past Tommy John surgery more so than anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe his, maybe he's not, you know, progressing as fast as they had hoped he would in that rehab. But, I mean, Tommy John's major surgery. So. Who knows? Maybe there's concerns he's not going to be the same player when he comes back. I mean, there's probably, there's a lot probably going into that, but it's still, still a head scratcher. So right now, Jake Eater has pitched six games this year post Tommy John. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, six games. He has a 3.9 ERA right now. So he's. Struggling with command. I'm seeing a lot of walks. But he's striking out 12 guys every nine innings. 12 guys per nine. So, I mean, he's command. He'll locate it. He looks electric. Uh, Yeah, the Royals moved off a lot, but they didn't get a ton in return, I don't think. They moved off Jose Quas, Nicky Lopez, Aroldis Chapman. This was an early deal. Yeah. Um, Ryan Yarbrough and Scott Barlow, and they got a lot of guys in teams' top 40s, but like nothing in the top 10s of any team's prospect system. So they're just kind of deepening out, getting MLB future talent, hopefully, but this could also be a lot of the prospects that fall into that category of the 90% that never impact an MLB team. Yeah, I think they got pretty much – they got out of what they were – trading I think pretty well um, yeah. I don't think they could have got much more they couldn't have really sold much more either but this yeah. is just a bad team yeah it's true like the the pieces that we came into the the deadline saying had value was a role to Chapman and Scott Barlow yeah and they got rid of those guys and those I mean they got good returns for those guys well it's like fair returns I should say what are the ones that really – this is the biggest win for a buyer? And, of course, it would be the Braves. 
The Braves picked Taylor Hearn. They literally picked him up like a week ago. He made like one, maybe two starts with them. They literally just like picked him off, off picked him up off the street. I forget what team literally dropped him. And the Braves picked him up and then flipped him for Nicky Lopez. Which two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Nicky Lopez was the Royals' best player. Like that, that's crazy. Only the Braves would do something would be able to do something like that. It's a big win for the Braves. Mm-hmm. All right. Over to the AL West. The Rangers had to become buyers. And Rangers are looking real good, although they have gone cold recently because injuries have started to hit them real bad. Nathan Eovaldi and Jonah Heim could miss the rest of the season. Yeah. Just terrible news. They went out and got a replacement for one of those guys. They got replacements for both of those guys, actually. So Eovaldi was like their ace. They have a really good deep rotation, but they lost their ace. Max Scherzer there. That's I'm sure that's the replacement you were referring to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it cost them their third prospect, which was Acuna, Acuna's brother, Ronald Acuna's Jr.'s brother, Luis Angel Acuna, an infielder a lot smaller than his brother, more of an Ozzy Albies type player with more speed, less pop, um, but a, a solid baseball player nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could also be, could, yeah, be a spy for the, could be a spy for the Braves. Yeah, that's a dangerous move. They also got Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton from the Cardinals. Montgomery is solid, great addition to the to the uh, rotation just to kind of level it out, keep pushing. Aroldis Chapman was a very early deal they made, so I don't think they had to overpay because they made this deal so early. And then Austin Hedges from the Pirates, getting that catcher just to kind of fill in for Jonah Heim with his injury. Austin Hedges is the best framing catcher in baseball, worst hitter in baseball also. They didn't have to give up anything other than international cash, though, so no big loss there. Yeah, the Ra- the Rangers might be the biggest winner. They went out and got the most, that's for sure. Yeah. And they got what they needed. Yeah, they every hole that they had, they went out and at least attempted to fill. Yep, they Granted, needed bullpen. Yep, got, got it. Bullpen, needed a starter. They went out and got two. So, yeah, and it's it's funny that the, the these are guys they needed mostly because of injuries. Like they needed bullpen because the bullpen was just struggling from the get go because they didn't expect to be this good, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then Evaldi goes down. Max Scherzer, perfect replacement. Starting rotation as a whole is just kind of looking thin and kind of weak. Jordan Montgomery, perfect replacement. Jonah Heim gets injured. Boom, Austin Hedges. So like. It's not like they were improving anything, but they are filling in to try to keep doing what they were doing in the first half. And that that's good. Gave up a lot of good prospects, though. Yeah, but I don't think they gave too much for these guys. Yes. They gave up two guys. They gave up three guys in their top ten. But mm-hmm. that said, they have an amazing farm system. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, so, a lot of these teams that give up a lot – typically have a lot of stuff to give up. They yeah. are usually your top 10 form systems. Yeah. I heard somebody say, Luis Angel Acuna, where is he going to play next year or the year after? I've heard that. But that infield, I mean, you got half a billion dollars split between second and short for the next, like, five-plus years. 
he's not going to play first, and then you got the rookie of the year at third. So, he's, it, yeah. He can play. He's athletic enough to play center. Yes, but they also have good outfielders this year. I mean, that's why they're in the position they are, because the whole offense is going off. And so, yeah. The Cardinals got Takoa Roby. That's their other top 10 prospect. Thomas Sage, another good shortstop. Anyway, Astros. Can the Astros catch the Rangers? Well, they went out and they got Justin Verlander back. Thank goodness, because that rotation was looking abysmal. It still is. I don't think this filled out the rotation enough. But the Astros gave up their top prospect and their eighth prospect for Verlander. They also gave up their fourth prospect, Corey Lee, which, again, they kind of were deciding to move off of anyway for Kendall Graveman. Verlander and Graveman, these guys were on their team last year. What do you think of these moves? They were just going after getting guys they should have kept in free agency. I mean, that's they don't have to pay them nearly as much, though. <laughs> the Mets yeah. are still paying these guys. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just not very happy that they got them back. Yes, that's fair. It's, I don't think Verlander really helps them win the division. It's going to come down, it's going to come down to health for the Rangers, but mm-hmm. what I'm seeing is the Rangers have a six-man rotation. The Astros rotation is better at the top, like Verlander and Verlander and what's his name that just threw the hit, no hitter last night. Um, the Cyan leader, yeah, Valdez, Framer Valdez. Like Verlander and Valdez are better than the Rangers one two. Oh yeah, by a lot, by a lot. And then it goes Christian Javier, who's really struggling this year. And your fourth is Brown, who's doing pretty good. Kind of had his ups and downs, rookie year stuff. And that's it. They're running basically with a four-man rotation. Like, that could do well in the postseason, but that's not really the way you want to be sitting right now. So the Astros just getting through the regular season scares me a little bit more. If they get to the postseason, Verlander makes a positive impact on this team. The Angels... Angels made a lot of moves. They got Lucas Giolito. They made two big moves, I should say. Uh, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox, and then CJ Crown, Randall Grichik from the Rockies. I think these are pretty solid moves. They didn't give up a whole lot to get these either. No, no but they were they were going out there. They were making moves, uh, trying to keep Otani. I think all these improved the team. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Randall Grichik. I really have been since, you know, he back when he was in St. Louis. And he, you know, he mashed well in Colorado, but it's Colorado, so who knows what that actually means. He's finally making his Angels debut. You know, the team that drafted him. Wow. The, I, forget, I even forget the guy's name. The Angels had a first baseman who won the Rookie of the Year with them, and that was the guy they moved off of Pujols for. He has literally been so bad. It's about time they moved off of him and got CJ Crown. So that's that's a good move. They also, way earlier, and I didn't write these down, they also got Eduardo Escobar from the Mets, and they got Mike Moustakis, who are really filling in nice. This is just a really injured team, and these moves just help fill this out, honestly. Mariners, 
Mariners sold. Mm-hmm. They gave up AJ Pollock. They gave up Mark Mathis. Don't even know what they got in return for those guys. They gave up Paul Sewald, and they got the world in return for him. This was kind of crazy. They got three prospects, two prospects, and a, and a starting shortstop, starting second baseman for a reliever. That's crazy. A's didn't do anything, surprisingly. Nothing of note. Braves, sneaky moves. Yeah. Braves made sneaky moves. They got a left-handed reliever, and they got Nicky Lopez. Didn't give up anything crazy. Didn't do anything crazy. The Mm -hmm. Phillies, like we said, they got Michael Lorenzen, and they gave up their second-base prospect. Lorenzen for the Phillies, they're switching to a six-man rotation. That's what they're saying they're going to do. Give the arms some rest. Makes sense. I mean, they they needed some help there. Yeah. Like, they have a solid rotation. It just kind of felt strained, I guess. A lot of yeah. the stars weren't pitching well on a consistent basis. Yeah, probably because they were having to pitch more uh, more often. Did yeah. They, did they have a six-man rotation last year? No. For some reason, I thought they did. I don't know why. No. no. Um. Marlins, they got Jake Berger. They got David Robertson, who we haven't talked about yet. They got Jorge Lopez, which we already mentioned. Josh Bell, already mentioned. And then they gave up Garrett Cooper, who really wasn't doing much for them there. Got a lot in return for Garrett Cooper, honestly. Uh, Yeah. Which we'll get to the Padres and what the heck they're up to. But they got the Padres' sixth prospect. But they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot to get Jake Berger. They gave up a lot to get David Robertson. I mean, the Marlins are kind of going all in. They got they got good bullpen. They got two power bats, Josh Bell and Jake Berger. So yeah, I don't right know. There. Can this team do it? Oh no, they're right there in that uh, in that wild card <laughs> spot. So I think I can't remember. They think they can. Yeah, so they weren't. I want to say they were only like three, four games back the last time. They're half a game back, half a game back in the wild card. Okay, I knew it wasn't very much. Yeah, I mean, who? Let me pull up the standings so I can figure out. They're tied with Arizona, and then it would be Milwaukee's who they would catch first. I don't like they're in it. Yes, they they have that winning record, and you called that at the beginning of the season. I like to point out you were all over that. But I just see so many holes in their game. Like, their lineup still isn't good. Josh Bell wasn't good. Jake Berger is not exactly what I would consider good. They have a negative 25 run difference. Like, yes, they have the winning record. They're gritty. They win games. But I just I would be hesitant to put this much in. To give up your first, seventh, 23rd, and eighth prospect. Yeah, I, I, think, they gave, I think they gave up a little too much for what they got in return. Well, I mean, there were moves, I think, that didn't have to be made, but they they improved the team a little bit. To where yeah. you're, you fill the holes where you kind of needed to fill, you're on that wild card race. The NL and the wild card race isn't that thick. As long as yeah. you stay afloat and you stay doing what you're doing, you should get in. So I think that's kind of what they were they're looking at they're like we'll just we won't make any yeah. huge splashes we'll fill holes that can be filled easily coast onto the wild card 
they have Arizona, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and San Francisco in front of them, and they made more moves than all of those teams, like more impactful moves than all of those teams, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. Uh, the Mets, this is going to be interesting. I want to talk more about what they're doing than what they actually got. So they gave up Verlander, Mark, Mark Canna, Max Scherzer, David Robertson, and Tommy Fan, and they picked up $210 million in those contracts. <laughs> A lot of people are furious at Steve Cohen. Is that fair? I think it depends on if the statements he told Matt Scherzer are true or not about looking towards 2025-2026. I don't even know if that's... So... When when Scherzer got traded, because Scherzer was the first one to really go, right? Mm-hmm. So many people around that locker room when they were interviewing people, they were like, "Oh man, we're so shocked! We're you know shocked that this is happening, all this stuff." And to me, that was like them getting a reality check that they're actually doing poorly. Like they were totally unaware that they're completely out of this. Yeah, that they're they totally like wasting this money. Like, yeah. To me, it just seemed like their locker room was like, oh, no, we're fine. We're getting paid insane amounts of money because we're so good. Like, no, you're in fourth place. You're behind Miami. You, uh, like, it's not on the GM. You guys are not doing well. What are they, 17 games back but from the Braves? Yeah. They they have a losing record. They're six games under 500. Like, they should not, like, it's on the players for not going out and performing. It's not on the GM. The GM did the only thing he could do. He gave the team, he put together the best roster possible. And then when it obviously wasn't working, he moved off and got amazing prospects and is going to try it again. And he's willing to pay those amazing prospects. The Nationals could catch him. So like six games in front of the Nationals. Yeah. Here's the thing that still makes me think Cohen's on top of it because he picked up those $210 million to get top prospects. Like, right. You could trade Max Scherzer to the Rangers, but you're not going to get Acuna's brother. But if you pay off half of his contract, then you can get Acuna's brother, the prospect you want. So he's still making moves for amazing players here. I think. Yeah. I mean, I was, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to or clip I heard it from, but he was, they were talking about how the Mets went out and bought players this off season, you know, to make their, to make their roster, you know, as good as possible. And then they realized that was a mistake. Now they're buying prospects for the future. Yeah. So, I mean, if these guys pan out, I think people will be looking at Cohen a whole lot differently. But there's always that chance there, that 90% that make no impact. So I think that's yes. kind of why people are a little eerie on it, because they don't know. If what do they want are... him to do? Stick it out with this roster? Or they just hate the fact that he put this roster together and blame him for the fact that they aren't winning? I would I That's probably my thinking. The... Yeah, the latter. Yeah. yeah. Yes, how dare you give us Scherzer and Verlander and... You know, yeah, the roster that was projected to be the best in all of baseball. How dare you give us that? 
it's your fault. I think I think Cohen deserves a lot of respect because he is he's ahead of the curve. He understands this team did not have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Verlander and Scherzer's you only have one left, one year left on their contract. Yeah, get rid of them while you can get something, and go at it. Get these guys, and be ready to compete in 2025 rather than sticking it out with Scherzer and Verlander it not working out. And then you're looking at 2028, 2029. Right. So I like that. Nationals only made one move. They gave up Jamie Candelario and they got the Cubs 12th and 18th prospect. Um, I think this is a pretty fair swap because Jamie Candelario is one of the better bats on the market. He's been hitting the ball really well this year. The rental only get him for two months and then he hits free agency. So the Nationals really had no use for him anyway. I think that's, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. NL Central. The Brewers made interesting moves. They this did. is another division. I'm not sure if anybody's really trying to win. They're trying a little harder than the American League Central. They I got... Think- yeah. They got Andrew Trafin. They can put him in the bullpen. Great. They got Carlos Santana because why not? They got Mark Canna, who's not been playing great. They didn't really give up any big prospects. They gave up Luis Urias. So that's about it. I don't know. These players are all going to make this team a little bit better, but nobody's going to revolutionize anything. It's not going to carry this team to a World Series. Yeah, I think this division is kind of except the fact that nobody in this division is going to win the World Series. Yeah. Like each individual team knows that they're not good enough. Yeah. The Reds didn't even make a move, which they're probably still understanding that they're ahead of the line, so they don't want to blow anything up. Yeah, that makes that's, sense. That's my thinking exactly. They're better than, better than they should be. Don't trade any of the young talent you have. Uh, now, the one move that I thought could happen was Jonathan India getting traded. I thought yes. that could be one thing, but as I think, I don't know if we talked about it on the pod or not. I think, uh, I think we did a little bit about the market for him. Uh, I was a little higher on his market than you were. You know, yeah. off the record, you were like, nobody's going to want him. Yeah. So, makes sense. Nobody's going to want him for what the Reds are going to want for him. Exactly. You know, rookie of the year candidate and all that, they're going to want a little bit more than what teams see as a below average hitter in a hitter friendly ballpark. Yeah. Uh, if anything, the Reds could have gone out and gotten starting pitching, but yeah. at the same time, they have Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green coming back eventually from injury. So that's the starting pitching that they're trading for, basically. Like, they already have those guys. They'll come back. That's, that's their improvement. The Cubs, the Cubs actually were big buyers. They they gave up their 11th prospect for Jose Quas. I'm not even sure who that is, honestly. And they gave up their 12th and their 18th for Jamie Candelario, which is a good move. Mm-hmm. So they got, oh, I mean, they haven't been getting anything out of first base. So Candelario will really help them there. They got better. They, I think they put themselves in contention for this division title. Yeah. Because they were in it. Yeah, they're cooking the Reds right now. 
So they're closing that gap. The Brewers. I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, the Cubs probably are going to be the team to win the division. They're the hottest team. They're playing the best ball, you know, unless the Brewers just start playing a whole lot better. Yeah. Brewers, who knows? Brewers can keep doing what they're doing. It might just be fine. Very true. It's the Brewers. The Cardinals moved off of Paul DeYoung, Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton, Jordan Hicks, and Jack Flaherty in an attempt to rebuild the rotation. They're happy with where the offense is. Needed to thin down a little bit, if anything, just because they're a little deep at some spots that they don't really need to be deep in. They got a ton of prospects. Like a ton. Yeah. And I think the high majority of them are pitchers. Like they got a, they got two good infielders, but they got a lot of good pitchers. Now, they didn't get the ace of the future. No. But I think they got a lot of guys who could really fight for three, four, five in next year's rotation. Because, like, I mean, if you look at the years of all these guys, all these guys are coming to the MLB in 2024 and 2025. And a lot of those 2024 guys are guys who could be fighting for, you know, low-end rotation spots. And if you look at this as a foundation, right, going into next year, you got no starting pitchers set. The guys that you traded for right now, if you can fill four and five in the rotation or three and four in the rotation, and then you save money on Paul DeYoung, you're not going to be paying Jordan Hicks, Jordan Montgomery. You got... You do have Michaelis who you're going to keep. you got three spots filled in, and now you've saved money, and you can go out and buy an ace. That is, you know, and these guys are young. These are, are controllable, and maybe they could put together a pitching staff that's actually going to last for, you know, a career rather than just being reworked every year, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more the Cardinals could have done there besides, you know, getting a ace for the future. But I like all these moves. Uh, is there anything else that you think they should have done? I think there's more we could have moved off of. Like I said, we have extra – we got extra outfielders. And mm-hmm. we got – you know, you could have moved off of Tommy Edmond or or um, Brendan Donovan, one or the other. I think there's no need to have two really good utility you know, elite defensive players. So if we had, you know, it's just a matter of not having enough time, maybe not enough interest from other teams. Like if you move off of the outfielders, you're not going to get anything incredible. You're just going to get what you got for Paul DeYoung or for Jordan Hicks, you know, like you're going to get another three, four, five possibility in the rotation, which is fine. We, we need that. So we could have done that. We could still do that at the end of the season. I think you can trade, um, could trade what's his name Carlson, but yeah, I, I thought he was gone. Yeah, but Edmund is the one who could actually bring in a near ace level pitcher or like a two in the rotation, because that's a guy who is an above average hitter and an elite defender at whatever position you want him to be. That could that could have brought in a haul, but at the same time, there was no stress to get rid of that, you know, mm-hmm. so. I'm happy with it. You know, there could have been more, but we got so much, so it's all right. Now, did you think that Goldie and Arnado were both going to be gone? Um, 
No, actually. So I was I was going to be super upset if they got rid of Arenado just because he's controlled through 2027. Yeah. Like, you need to get, like, one of the best prospect halls to give up a guy with that much control left on his contract. Um, as for Goldie, I wouldn't have minded that so much because he's only got next year left. Mm-hmm. But that said, all the rumors were about Arenado, not about Goldie. So I kind of knew going into it that neither one of them were growing anywhere. You know, if there if there had been rumors about Goldie, I would have been like, all right, he can go. It actually might happen. But there were no rumors about him. And they were all about Arenado. And I was like, the front office knows how much there's left on this contract. They're not doing that. Yeah. And the Cardinals have a smart front office. So. Yeah. And I was thinking, and this is kind of unrelated, but like the Cardinals whole roster is so homegrown, which is kind of unusual, I guess. Goldie and Arenado are like the only outside guys right now. Yeah, I've noticed that. That didn't come up with the Cardinals. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, I think it's kind of cool. But Pirates. The Pirates did some work, man. I love what the Pirates did. They gave up Rich Hill, G-Man Choi, and Carlos Santana, and Austin Hedges. Excuse me. These were all guys that they brought in at the beginning of the year, paying very little. Which they were, I mean, you're paying them more than you're paying anyone else in your roster because they're veterans. But, like, you weren't paying anyone else, so it's not a big deal to pay a couple of these guys. And these these guys were all, like, solid dudes, leaders of the locker room type guys. And they got a ton in return for that. Wow. Yeah. That's big. So I like that. Um, main thing was what they got from the Padres. They got Jack Wolf, the Padres 21st. They got Astoria Suro. Their 16th, another outfielder, and then Afonso Rivas, first base, their 40th. Now, moving on to the West, the Dodgers, they patched some holes. At the beginning of the season, we said this Dodgers lineup was like one of the, or their, their roster as a whole, I think you and I both agreed, it was like the worst roster, worst Dodgers lineup we had looked at in a long time. Yeah. They, they were really struggling at second base, shortstop, third base, and they were really – the rotation just wasn't what it normally was. Yeah, it and wasn't your typical – yeah, it wasn't your typical Dodgers roster. Yeah. And so what do they do? They get Kiki Hernandez to play second base. They get Ahmed Rosario to play short. They tried really hard to get Arenado to play third, but that, that didn't happen. And they got Lance Lynn to fill in – and Lance Lynn and Ryan Yarbrough to fill in the rotation. Joe Kelly – in the bullpen, and they tried really hard to get a frontline starter. They had Eduardo Rodriguez lined up, and then he opted out because his family's in Miami, and he didn't want to be that close to the West Coast. But So Dodgers w- made smart moves, mm-hmm. and the way it's looking, they sealed the West, but they didn't go out and get the ace they wanted, and they don't have it the third baseman they wanted, so I don't know if they're really suited for the playoff run. Yeah, I think they they sealed the division up, but we'll see about the about the playoffs. They don't have they don't have that go to guy. I mean, granted, they have Kershaw in hurt. So yeah. a lot of this depends on injuries, right? Walker yeah. Bueller could come back by the end of the year, but he hasn't pitched at all this year. Kershaw may or may not be healthy then. 
Trevor May is done for the year. Those were the three guys that should have been headliners. And then Julio Urias looks terrible, right? Th- those should be the four aces in the postseason. And, like, none of those guys are locked in right now. Yeah. So if, if they if the, all those come back or, like, some of those come back, then they'll be all right. But that's not guaranteed. Yeah. And even if they do come back, who knows how they're going to be. They haven't pitched all year. Or at that point, it'll be a while. Yeah. D-backs gave up way too much for Paul Seawald. They gave up Josh Rojas, a solid infielder, and two top 30 prospects for them. They gave up their other good reliever, Andrew Chafin, who does struggle to throw strikes sometimes. They got another lower-end reliever from the Brewers for that. They got Tommy Pham, and that's a solid trade. Gave up Jeremy Rodriguez to 32nd, um, a guy who is very young. I think he's 19. So Tommy Pham will be a help. Bullpen will help. Maybe lost too much of their future, but it's another deep, young team. Probably not a big deal to them. The Giants added A.J. Pollock and Mark Mathis and gave up nothing as far as I'm aware. Um, And this is just the Giants thing to do. Like, these two guys aren't playing well, and the Giants probably aren't going to help them have great numbers, but, like, they're with the Giants. They're going to, like, they're going to be put in the lineup on the days where they're going to be feeling comfortable against the pitcher. I don't know, whatever it is. Like, if they're comfortable against righties, that's who they're going to face, and Giants are going to use them to the best, and they're going to end up being good for the Giants. That's what's going to happen there. Yeah, two guys that fit fit what the Giants need. Giants mold, you should say. Yeah. Uh, What are the Padres up to? Yeah. These were... Um, I don't really know if they have a plan. I mean, you go out, you get Rich Hill, uh, John Manchoy, Garrett Cooper, Scott Barlow. I mean, none of it really made sense to me. And I think we talked about it, you know, as they were happening. And you're like, what in the world are the Padres doing? Yeah. Like, none of these moves made sense. None of them really needed to be done. Yeah, they are four games out. They have a plus 75 run difference, which, to be fair, a plus 75 run difference is third best in the National League. (laughs) But they just, I I think I read a story not that long ago, the guys in the locker room hate each other. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't even know how these guys fit in. Like Rich Hill... G-Man Choi, Garrett Cooper, Scott Barlow. Scott Barlow makes this team significantly better. Nobody else really improves this team. And yet, they're, the Padres are like, they're trying to be buyers. Like, this is some of the heaviest deals we've seen. And they gave up their 6th, 21st, 22nd, 16th, and 39th prospect for this. That's rough. They've already given up so much of their farm system for, you know, the other players that they brought in. I feel like they should have sold. Yeah. If, if not, I sell, agree. pull a Yankees and sit still. I don't know. Rockies, I think they did what we could have expected. 
They yep. moved off Brad Hand, CJ Crone, Randall Grichik. They got stuff in return. Solid stuff. Builds up the farm system. I like it. Yeah, Good trade it. deadline. Yeah, not too bad. A little bit more active than I thought it was going to be. Um, I shouldn't say more active. There was a little bit bigger trades than I thought, thought we were going to have. Yeah. But it's yeah. a trade deadline. There always is. There wasn't any. There, Shohei didn't get traded. Uh, we should have known that. Um, Soto was rumored. He didn't get traded. So those were the two like bigger guys that could have potentially been dealt. But, yeah, pretty good. You know, a lot of teams got better. A lot of teams stood pat. You know, a lot of teams looking for the future. So, overall, it was, it was pretty good. It was an entertaining deadline. Yeah. I think next week we can come up with a list of winners and losers for the deadline. And probably at that point we'll have seen how some of the guys fit into their new teams, like especially those Padres guys, like how do those, how does that even fit into their lineup? Does G man Troy play that type of stuff? Um, yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Philly's going to be working with the six man rotation. See how that works out for them. I like it. Oh, I forgot to mention when Philly made that move, I think I texted you like two minutes before the move happened. I was like, man, Philly's been quiet. And then not yeah. two minutes later, we got the text that he, Lorenzen was on his way over there. So that was yeah. kind of funny. But we will see you guys next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was a longer one, but there was a lot to get through. But make sure to check out that TikTok, that Instagram. And we'll see you guys later.